Hi, unconventional hustlers. This is Reiki. And this is ASG. We strive to introduce young people to the professional world through candid conversations with industry gurus. Today, we have Wasan Shubar with us. Wasan is a young entrepreneur who has been working on her startup, Flickonic, since 2019. She has been invited to the Web Summit, an annual technology conference held in Portugal that is considered the largest tech event in the world. Flaconic is a spoiler-free, entertainment-focused social media mobile application that connects viewers to their show communities. In this episode, we dive deeper into what it means and what it takes to be a young entrepreneur. So let's get it started. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So why don't we start off by telling us a little bit more about your background? Where did you grow up and where did you go to school? I was a bit all over the place. I was born in Dubai and then I was raised in Sweden in a small town called Norrköping. Uh, and then I was educated in London. I studied at King's College London and I studied computer science. So I'm wondering, did you ever see yourself as an entrepreneur? Um, looking like when I was growing up, no, not really. But when I look back, I think it kind of makes sense that I am here now. Uh, because I did notice that I was very much into problem solving. Even when I worked uh, on projects during my computer science studies, I always, I kind of had a love-hate relationship with software engineering. I, I, I noticed that I really liked the problem solving part. And I really didn't notice that until later on. But uh, even when pair programming on projects, my partner used to like struggle and they're like, oh, I think, I think I know how we can solve this. And then halfway through, he's like, actually, I don't know how we can develop this. And I was like, well, I don't get it. Like, am I missing something or can we not just try it by doing this, you know, implementing it this way? And he's like, actually, I haven't, we should do that. That's a good idea. And then it happened enough times for me to kind of pick up on it. And I was like, I actually think I, I am good at it. And I I think I would like to continue doing this and challenging myself more. No, yeah, especially for like entrepreneurs, I feel like there is so much to, there is, it's a long journey and also it's a very tough one. And can you tell us a little bit more about Flictonic and how did you come up with this idea? Yes, sure. So Flictonic didn't really like the idea and the its shape that it is in now is obviously not the same when I first came up with it, but absolutely like uh, it, it all started with me just following a show that I really liked, Game of Thrones. And I was sort of gearing up for the final season. And I noticed that it was just, I I was trying to remember all the details, the story arc, and I just struggled to find a source where I could easily catch myself up to speed for everyone's story arc. And I ended up having to rewatch all seven seasons. And I obviously wasn't happy about that. That was a lot of time wasted all over again. But then I also noticed when the final season was airing, although I was an avid show watcher of the show, I still somehow found myself struggling to effectively communicate with a show community. So I would see either conversations happening on Twitter, but it was in my time zone, it was a a day later. So I came across so many spoilers and my feed, or it was just that the topics had already stopped trending. And I just didn't know who to speak about the show with or read where to go to read all the conversations. And so I sort of thought about the idea. I thought about it more and I looked around and I, I thought, you know, there isn't really a dedicated space for people to truly engage with their show communities. There is entertainment apps out there where you can track shows, rate shows, review shows, but you really cannot just 
have fun and, and have the same kind of experience like you do on social media apps where you can just share memes, Easter eggs are, you know, like YouTube, you have trivias going on and you don't really have a space dedicated to just shows. And that's what I wanted to solve. For sure. And I, I personally really like this idea. I think sometimes, especially when you're watching shows that your friends are not watching at the same time, you really want to talk to someone about it, but it's hard to find that community. And I love this idea that you have here. So what are some challenges that you have faced so far as you're trying to build your startup and how have you overcome them? That's a, that's a good question. There are a lot of challenges, <laughs> but I think I slowly realized that you'll, you'll face a lot of challenges as a female founder. I mean, I know I've heard a lot about it, but I actually started to really experience it. And the thing is, it started also when I worked as a software engineer too. I did, I was exposed to it, but this time I cared so much more because this is my venture. So obviously I was really in it and being a female founder and a first time founder as well. That's a, that's a great combination, guys. I think it, it's, it's tricky and I think I'm still trying to overcome these challenges as well as with my other female co-founder. But really, all you have to do is just keep going. Like that this, These challenges wouldn't really stop me from doing what I am doing because I just love doing it so much. I mean, it's really challenging me as a person to just tackle, go, go on. Like it, it's helping me grow as a person and I like doing that. But, you know... No matter what you, you're doing, you're going to keep running into challenges. It's just you have to do something that you really are passionate about to overcome these challenges. And how you do that is going to be different for everyone. There's just no one answer that is going to uh, be suitable for everyone. But for me, I just keep going because I love what I do. I feel like a lot of female founders, like, I mean, we have the example of Whitney Wolfie, that she struggled a lot when she first uh, joined Tinder, and then when she started Bumble as well. And I know that a lot of people romanticize entrepreneurship, and we both know that it's a tough journey, like you've mentioned. So can you tell us a little bit more about what it means to be an entrepreneur? I think it, it can be different for a lot of people, but I think most commonly like entrepreneurs don't get into this or start a venture just to, you know, make money or get famous or whatever it is. Like the true entrepreneurs really are in it because there is a need for either self-actualization. Like they, they want to grow as a person. They want to fulfill or reach their fullest potential. There is just so much more in it for them that they want to experience in life and you know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And if you're just doing it for the wrong reasons, you're not going to be able to make it. You're just you really aren't because there's too many challenges and hardships and pitfalls that you can't overcome if you just romanticize about it and you just see the good, good things about it. So, I mean, for me, I personally think that for me, it was the need for self-actualization. I wanted to grow as a person and, I wanted to create a company and I had a vision and I wanted to fulfill that, but I also wanted to grow as a person to obviously get there. And I had accepted that I was going to come across a lot of challenges. I don't know everything, but I'm ready to grow as a person to make it happen. And I believe that there is a better way of living and I want to see that future. I want to see that vision come true. So you really, I think you would know early on when you, when things start falling apart, whether you're doing it for the right reasons or not. No, I think that's very important because I've, I've noticed that a lot of people start their own companies for the wrong reasons and you have to have a reason and you have to like be passionate about your idea in order to actually make it happen. 
You've mentioned that you're a computer science major. So what made you get into the entertainment industry? Uh, so for me, I think it wasn't so much getting into the entertainment industry, uh, but it was more about the problem. I, I was just truly passionate about the problem. So I obviously grew up with entertainment just like everyone else, I assume. I used to come home from school and I used to watch At the time, it was friends. I used to always watch it after school when I had dinner. And it was just me and my family having dinner. And it was on in the background. And I just loved that. And not only that, even when I met up with friends later on, we would just discuss it. Like, it's part of our everyday life, right? We have conversations around our shows. And it's just part of our life. So for me, when streaming services entered the scene and everyone started watching things at their own pace and their own time zone, it became harder and harder to find someone that watches the same show as you at the same time as you. And that became clear to me. And I obviously wanted to have social experiences around my entertainment. And I realized, okay, it's I'm not alone in this. I know that other people want this too. And so that kind of was what drove me into it. So I feel like it just happened to be the entertainment industry and that's great. But I think if it was any other industry and a problem I really cared about, it could have been any other industry. It doesn't really matter, but it's good that it was an entertainment industry. I like it. So from your observations, how are the tech and entertainment industries differ? Oh, that's a good question. They're really different in a way that the entertainment industry, from my experience, I've noticed they're, they're sort of in a battle with the internet because the internet really disrupted their distribution process and the way we consume entertainment completely changed. It's, it's, it violates, well, a lot of pirating is going on and obviously that violates their copyright laws. People are exploiting their work and profiting from it. So they really have a lot of reservations when it comes to technology. They, they, they like the way things were going before and now the streaming services is just disrupting everything that they knew. And they obviously have to adapt to this, but is a, there is a long road for them to know how to go about it, I think. And that's why they're sort of reserved about it. I mean, we saw Quibi and how they didn't want any sharing involved. They didn't want people to be able to screenshot or create memes and share it outside of their app. And again, it makes sense. They don't want anyone to profit from their work. But at the same time, we live in a digital age where everyone shares everything. Like it's part of our culture. Meme culture can, became a thing. And so it's hard to stop that. And when you look at the tech industry, the tech industry is thinking steps ahead. They, they, they don't think about the present. They think about, they embrace Technology, obviously, because we're talking about the tech entertainment, but I mean, industry. And they really, they don't live so much in the present, but they think, okay, how can we make, what? how can we utilize technology to make the world a better place? Or how can we make this, this process smoother, better? How can we do that? And they think about the end goal and then they just want to get there. How they get there doesn't really matter to them. They just want to get there. And the entertainment people are really trying to, I think, adapt to this technology world. And I think they still haven't, they still don't know how to do it quite yet, but I think they're trying now that they are entering the streaming world. Oh yeah, totally. Especially like right now during the pandemic, the entertainment industry is really big, especially, I mean, I mean, everyone is at home and they don't really have anything else to do other than watch TV shows or movies with their families. Yeah. And when you think about it, a lot of the big quote-unquote media companies right now are actually just tech companies when you think about like netflix um amazon apple they're all having their own streaming platforms that they're essentially just tech companies 
Exactly. No, really. And funnily, funnily enough, the CEO of Netflix already had a vision to create a streaming platform back years ago when he started started the company. But he knew that it was going to be too early, so he started with a DVD mailing service and worked his way to 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 achieve what Netflix is today. Because he knew that the internet was growing at a pace where it was become it was going to be more convenient for the user to just stream it rather than pay for postage because the postage prices was just going to go up. And he knew that he was going to enter the streaming market when those lines crossed. So it really is funny how, again, shows that the tech people also predicted or were thinking steps ahead. And the entertainment industry just thought, well, this is great because this is just going to add to our revenue when people rent DVDs. I mean, there's why would we say no to that? Yeah, I love how you mentioned timing because I think timing is very important. And, you know, there are so many great ideas out there that can be successful. But once once I heard the, an analogy from the co-founder of Calm that describes entrepreneurship really well, which is that entrepreneurship is like surfing. You want to be early before the wave arrives, but you don't want it to be too late before the wave is already broken. Tell us a little bit more about the importance about timing and trends when you're starting a company. I mean, absolutely. The CEO of Com is definitely right. Uh, and it really is important. I think it's uh, almost the most important thing. Um, and I think I'll actually add to that. I mean, even with the Apple, we know that it all started, well, maybe not everyone knows this, but it all really started with iTunes. So Steve Jobs envisioned the iPhone as the, as the end result, people walking around with a computer in their pockets. But he knew that that was way too early to introduce to the market. And so he started with iTunes where you could just instantly download everything as song and not have to worry about the artwork or the artist's name. Uh, everything would just be ready for you. And then introduced the iPod after that. And after that, he introduced the iPod Touch and then came the iPhone. So it was all about incremental innovation. And he did that because he knew that the market wasn't ready. It didn't mean that nobody wanted the iPhone, but just too early for it. And we know that someone already introduced the concept before them, General Magic, but that failed because, again, the timing that we just talked about. So, and I truly uh, love what Steve Jobs created with Apple. I think I aspire to be as great as Steve Jobs is, but I mean, that that's just, he's just too good at what he did. But timing really is everything. Like it doesn't make sense to create what I'm creating right now, an entertainment-focused social media app, when social media, like 10 years ago, because social media wasn't even a thing that, back then. So it really is about timing and understanding what your consumers currently are seeking or if what your vision is not does not make sense for the timing right now, how can you work your way towards it? So how can you feed those consumers with things that work for today's age and then work your way out there? So you really need to understand how how or what the market trends are and the consumer needs are. I really like that point of um, making, how do you analyze the consumer trend so that you can save your idea today for future success. So a lot of young people right now are trying to start their own company today. And we keep hearing that it's better to get real work experience before starting a business. And I know that you had some work experience before you started yours. 
So as an entrepreneur, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good, that's a great question. And I, I think even I uh, thought about it too, like, do I actually need to get a job before I pursue this or what do I do? And I truly think the answer to that, to that is just, it's, it's situational. It's, it depends. Everyone's road to success or entrepreneurship or whatever you want to call it. It's just all different, right? Like what I'm, if I tell you about my story, it's not going to be the same uh, to you if you want to pursue an entrepreneurship. But I mean, I think it, it really depends. Like what is your major? What are you trying to tackle? Do you feel like you have uh, the skill sets to pursue it after you graduate? It really is up to you and knowing yourself. And again, you will never feel ready, I think, to pursue entrepreneurship, but you should know yourself well enough to know, okay, I am ready to tackle on the challenges and I can, I've got this. So for me, I did work as a software engineer after graduating for about eight months. And I mean, I worked at a big corporate, like it, 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 I worked at ASOS. I mean, it has a, a huge global presence. So a lot of the code and a lot of the foundations were already there. I just wrote add-on code. And I did learn, of course, a lot of things, uh, whether it helped me build my own startup or not. Certain aspects, I mean, yes, of course, it helped me find myself after graduating. Like, it helped me kickstart my own career. But I truly don't think that you need to get... I, I think I can't... I think it just depends. You And I think you know yourself whether you're ready or not. If you feel like you're lacking a certain uh, experience in a certain area, then try to get maybe a job or a summer internship to help you fulfill those uh, skills that you're looking for. But I don't think, yeah, I can tell you it's, it's not a yes or no. Like you either have to do it or not. It's up to you. That makes a lot of sense. And especially I hear a lot in my entrepreneurship classes that you don't really have anything to lose when you're younger. So it's also better to start your company when you're younger than like, if you're like thirties and starting a family, then that's, you have something there to lose. So you have to also like look at the timing and see when will be best for you to start your own business if you want to go into that route. What do you think are the key elements of starting your own business? What should aspiring entrepreneurs look for and be aware when they are starting their own business? Uh, yeah, I, I think um, for me, uh, it started with the problem. I was just truly passionate about it. And I think the the thing that followed shortly after that was the team, of course. So working with the right people, I, I don't think I can stress that enough because it is definitely a lonely, lonely journey. Like you're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices. You're going to have to say no to a lot of events. Well, now that there is a pandemic, there isn't much going on. But before the pandemic, obviously people who work, who have nine to five jobs, they're obviously looking to meet up afterwards or have fun. And you really have to say no and just... Uh, Again, for me, it's just the passion. And I think that a combination of the passion, the team, and the situations I'm being put in, I really thrive in, well, I shouldn't actually say thrive. I really like challenges and I really like to learn and I really like to network with people that are like-minded or people I want to strive to become like that. I just want to put myself in those situations and that satisfies me, that makes me happy and that wants me to keep going. So for me, having the right people work with me and we really just make sure that we're all having fun, enjoying this journey and truly have a vision that we're working towards makes it so much easier, so much easier. I mean, it just really gets a lot of stress out of the way. And then all that stuff is just the hard work. You just have to hustle. And if you enjoy what you're doing, it really won't feel like you're hustling. I mean, you will be hustling, but it feels, it doesn't feel like so much like it's work. 
For sure. And I think I totally agree with your point of working with the right people is definitely very important. And I'm very lucky to have Ana Sofia here with me. I'm curious about how was the process of finding your co-founder? My co-founder, Nomen Batsehan, we actually met at King's College London and we met during our first year. We had we were working on this school project uh, about sharks and, you know, we were just bonding over how we have no idea what this project is about. I mean, we could have sort of understood. But the funny thing is that over the years or during our second year in college and third year, we were just telling each other, gee, like we cannot see ourselves working as software engineers. Like we, if we were to come up with an idea, because we really wanted to pursue entrepreneurship, we said, and um, we said like, okay, if we, if one of us comes up with an idea, this is it. Like we're going to become partners in crime. You're going to be the one that's going to go through it with me. And and we really became really good friends. We had a, a lot of fun. And so that was easy, you know. And then I have a third part-time co-founder, Marcus Schrentner, and I met him as well through school. I did my Stanford summer studies there with Anna Sophia. That's how I met your great co-founder. Again, same thing. We just had a lot of fun during those two months. It was intense, but I found myself in situations where I almost questioned whether he was more passionate about this idea than me because he would come to me the next day and he said like, oh, I did this research and I found this out. And I was like, what? I was like, how did you not just go to bed when we came home from that long ass day? Like, how how did you do work and did research for this project? I was like, that's amazing. So again, I just found that people around me were as passionate as me about this problem and we worked really well together. It was quite straightforward, I think, for me. Founding a co-founder, it's like, I keep hearing that it's kind of like dating and you have to go like and look for it really hard. And also like once you find it, it's basically marriage for life. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. There have been many cases where friends and family do not really work well together, especially when starting a business. What are your thoughts on this? I think, uh, again, this is another thing where it's situational. I think... You know, it, it, you will ha you will know for yourself whether it's the right people or not. So if you have if you have doubts, then what I would recommend is for you to work on project that has less stakes. You know, there isn't as much on the line, and just see how you collaborate together. What do you argue about? How do you balance each other out? Do how was the workload split up? Do you feel like they're putting in as much effort as you? And just figure it out. See how how you collaborate, and based off of that, I mean. You know, it could it could work out or it couldn't. I think again, it just depends on the dynamic and whether you're a fit or not. Because you could be great friends, but as you said, you might not be great partners. But for others, it can work. And so it really you'll have to find out for yourself. Just just work on something smaller and start there. Entrepreneurs, as we know, face a lot of uncertainty. You never know what's coming next. So how do you keep yourself motivated to keep building your startup? I think by just doing something that I really enjoy doing. Uh, I remember when I worked as a software engineer, I was happy. I truly was happy. The workplace was amazing. It, it was super relaxed and a lot of great people, a lot of talented people were working there. So it really was the perfect workplace, but I just wasn't satisfied. I just wasn't satisfied and I knew that it wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to go, whatever that was, I just knew that this wasn't it. And it was, it, for me, it was just like, okay, well, I have to make a decision. And I think uh, Oprah actually said this great thing where she said, your real job in life is to figure out what your true calling is. 
what what you came here on this earth to do and you use a job to figure that out because you obviously need a job to pay for your bills and whatnot and I think that I truly did that I took on a job and I feel like you know this just wasn't for me I could I, I wanted to do more I wanted to challenge myself more I wanted to be in an environment with other people who I aspired to be or challenged me and I think I started there so I think it's just because I enjoy doing what I love and I wouldn't want to be in another place or work um, for a different company. I just enjoy, I'm enjoying my journey. And I think that's what keeps me going. And obviously having great friends, your family supporting you means a lot. Of course, that really makes it so much easier. And I couldn't have done it without my, without my amazing family and friends and co-founders. <laughs> no, I think like family and friends are very important because like you mentioned before, entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey. So it's always nice to have all that support. Absolutely, yeah. And what advice will you give someone who wants to become an entrepreneur? You just have to, you will know whether it's right for you if you feel like you're enjoying it despite all the pitfalls. So if you feel like you still have a drive to keep going and you don't let it bother you, I think then just keep doing it. I mean, Again, what do you have to lose? The, I think you would have more regret if you don't pursue it than if you just dwell on the fact that, oh, I should have tried it, but I just never did because of this, this, and that. I mean, you can come up with so many excuses, but I think do it. If you think that you want to do it, pursue it, and just don't look back. You won't look back. You won't regret it. Things will work out. You're going to run into a lot of challenges, but again, you're going to grow from them and you're going to achieve great things. You're going to be so happy about it. I mean, I received a message yesterday from a user of ours that said, oh my God, I think I'm getting addicted to Flaconic. This is like an amazing app. And I think that just makes everything worth it. I mean, I don't want our users to get addicted to it, but I love the fact that they're enjoying something that I created. I, along with my amazing team, something that we ourselves created and people are enjoying that just makes it all worth it really. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Flictonic. I literally lose, use it every single day and I post every single day. I, I, I am becoming addicted to Flictonic, but I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. I've seen that. You're an avid user for sure. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> well, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you, Bosan, for coming on our podcast and sharing your insights. It has been a very insightful conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unconventional Hustlers. Connect with us on Instagram at unconventional.hustlers, on Twitter at uh underscore podcast, or on LinkedIn at Unconventional Hustlers. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. See you soon.